I can't do any of that shit. I, I've tried. I have tried and tried and tried and tried to be on drugs. Like, ugh, okay, I give up. I'm a, I'm a drinker and I'm a spazzer. I'm either caffeinated and kind of freaking out or having a cocktail and kind of freaking out. Today is a special episode because this is our season two finale. That's right. We got through the whole book, the whole book of Rebound, all of the Bar Scar stories, except for the final one that I'm going to tell you today. I am your host, Orianda Rutter. After I tell you the story, this is, I know I say this is my favorite in the book a lot, but this story is ridiculous and it haunts me to this day. And after I tell the story, we will have an after party. My friend Erin is going to come on. She was actually a character in the book. She's in last week's story. She's the busty brunette who uh, tries to save me on New Year's Eve, but unfortunately, sometimes you can't save someone. Uh, <laughs> anyway, this story is cuckoo bananas. It's also the most factual story in the entire book. Every detail of this story legit happened. There are no omissions here. This is true, honey. And, and well, you'll find out at the after party that similar harrowing things like this have happened to me since then, which is just, you know, it, it makes me feel like I'm kind of in a world I don't want to live in. Uh, not entirely. Most of the time I'm, I'm pretty optimistic, but let's get into the story so this intro makes sense. Without further ado, this is Donnie, the dog fucker. Weeks had passed since New Year's, and in the spirit of the holiday, I had vowed to make some changes. I had been, for the most part, clean and sober. I was off the drugs, the drinks, and the dick. New Year's Eve had been a last hurrah of sorts, my swan song to blatant self-destruction. I woke up on New Year's Day feeling like a new woman. Well, no. I woke up on New Year's Day in a motel room and I felt like a pile of dog shit. But something had changed, fundamentally. I was tired of being tired, fed up with feeling so hungover. I was ready to take control And as blurry as my vision may have been that morning, one thing was perfectly clear. I looked like a hag. Ugh, I decided right then and there that it was time to let vanity take the wheel. A broken heart was no excuse for the broken capillaries I saw in the mirror. Fuck my ex-boyfriend. No amount of emotional pain should be ruining my face. First, my job at Tumbleweeds had to go. My false freedom there was actually an imprisonment, as the bar enabled my drinking, drug use, and occasionally resulted in me seeing Alex. No bueno. Once my hangover wore off, I set out to get myself a shiny new job in a shiny new bar. Sambuca, the new gig, served food that didn't come out of a deep fryer and didn't have a wet t-shirt contest to speak of. In fact, Sambuca was quite the opposite of tumbleweeds. A high-end establishment, more of a dinner club than bar atmosphere, Sambuca offered structure and didn't allow drinking. I joked when hired that they could expect me to drop weight and pointed at my abs. 
Body by vodka, I laughed. The lighting was low, which helped while I healed my ruddy complexion, and the prices were high. The clientele were mostly rich old men, which was great because if there's one thing I'm not attracted to, it's sagging balls. There was no temptation there. Yeah, the staff was a little snobby, territorial even, and the tips weren't anywhere near what I was used to making, but it also wasn't run by gangsters. I took solace in no longer working for dealers or pimps. I felt safe. A little broke and a little out of place, but safe. I occupied my free time mostly writing and painting, although I'd be lying if I said there wasn't wine involved in either process. Still, my binge drinking occurred only at home and was now linked to the creative process as opposed to self-destruction. I reasoned that it was an improvement. Night after night, instead of being sad, angry, or hammered in a bar, I was constructing some wacky project in my room or writing down funny stories I'd almost forgotten. I slept more. I ate more. I started working out, not to lose weight, but to clear my mind. I was getting better. Months into my homebody status, I found myself out of wine and out of projects. I had holed myself away long enough. It was time to venture out into the world again. I would go to a bar. I chose Red Door, my favorite, mainly because of their sweet and protective head bartender. I knew I would be safe from any and all creeps as long as Nico was working. Indeed, he was. I sat down, dolled up for my first night out in so long, not as a pussycat doll, thank God, and a little heavier than I had been in the past months. Seems not drinking behind the bar hadn't helped me lose weight at all. I was back to eating solids, and all the time staying at home had put meat on my bones and color in my cheeks. Nico and I chatted, did shots, and laughed about all the mistakes I had made and the train wrecks I had taken home. He agreed that I had spun dangerously out of control, but admitted that it was entertaining to watch. As we spoke, a shy, pretty young man sauntered up to the bar and sat down next to me. He was slight, very slender, but still masculine. He had soft, feminine features, but a strong jawline and great posture. His puppy dog brown eyes made him look innocent, but his posture, the way he leaned in just a little too close, made him seem dangerous. Oh no, I said to Nico as he sauntered up. Have we met before? The young man asked. He was cute, but I was hell-bent on not meeting any new guys. This was supposed to be my soft step off the stay-at-home wagon. Oh, but this guy was really cute. Like Ashton Kutcher back when he was a model cute. I don't think so. I don't go out much, I replied. I lied. Kind of. I hadn't been going out much as of late, right? No, no, it's definitely you. I met you one night. You were here. You were so drunk. <laughs> he laughed. Oh, God. Here we go. This guy had met me in one of my blackouts. You and your friend, you guys were dressed up like those soda girls. With a sign, he shrugged. Oh, no. Oh, fucking no. Could it be? You were all orange and she was all yellow. It was pretty random, but it was definitely you, right? He laughed a little more. My drunken past had come back to haunt me. I quietly hoped that I hadn't done anything too embarrassing upon our first meeting. You know, other than being dressed up as a soda. I think you have me confused with someone a little more adventurous, I laughed through my lie. 
and I felt bad for deceiving him, but my sordid past lives were none of this guy's business. I was working hard, damn it. I was a changed woman. So, what's your name? I asked. Donnie, he shot me a smile. This was the mystery guy from the Fantana blackout night. The guy who had written his number on my arm. I had never called. Nico hovered, ready to interject and play big brother to my wounded little sister act. I shooed him away. I'm Orianne, I put out my hand. It's definitely you. I would never forget that name, Donnie said, accepting my handshake and holding onto my hand for a few seconds too long. Our conversation continued until the bottom of two more vodka sodas, and I learned a lot about Donnie. He was a nutritionist. As a non-practicing vegan, I found this convenient. I love people who are food conscious, especially if I end up dating them. I care greatly about food facts. They don't always transpire to my actual eating habits, but still, I care. Donnie had some great pointers for vegetarian dishes he offered to help me prepare. I was impressed. We spoke of our mutual love for animals quite a bit. Spawned from our talk of vegetarianism, we agreed that veggie, very few vegetarians dislike animals. I just love dogs, Donnie gushed. He didn't have any pets of his own, but he raved on and on about his best friend's dog. He is the cutest dog you will ever see. He is so good, Donnie said, losing my interest slightly. Everyone loves their dog. Telling someone your dog is the cutest is the same as telling people about the dream you had last night. It's boring, and we're all just waiting for you to finish up. But Donnie was model hot, so I peered into my empty glass and let him continue. I'm actually throwing him a doggy birthday party in a few weeks. You should come. He looked up from his drink. Here it was. Donnie had done the casual date drop. The casual date drop is a common occurrence when a guy has been rejected a lot or just never grew a full set of dating balls. Since Donnie and I had met before and he had given me his number, and since I had never called, I had basically rejected him. Instead of asking me out to dinner, Donnie asked me to something more casual in case I said no. There you have it. That's the casual date drop. But Donnie's casual date drop was funny. Not ha-ha funny, but weird funny. A doggy birthday party? I asked, raising an eyebrow and signaling to Nico for another drink. Seems a little... gay? I smiled, trying to eke out Donnie's sexual orientation. Confused by those feminine features, he's looking like a hot boyish model, and now his childlike love for his best friend's dog. Um, a side note. I just want to say, if you really like dogs, it's not that I think you're gay. But he was reading is kind of gay here. Okay, back to it. I felt like Donnie may have been sexually underdeveloped or very possibly in the closet. Oh, that's so mean. Okay, sorry, sorry. The underdeveloped part. <laughs> He's a preemie. Um, oh my God, that's so offensive. I'm sorry, you guys. Okay, back, back to what's on the page. Closet homosexuality is common in the South thanks to all the super right-wing preachy types roaming about. Whatever the reason, something about Donnie's sexual aura was off. Did he want me? Or did he just want to hang out and pet puppies with me? The whole thing was weird. But again, Donnie was that hot. I am a sucker for a pretty face. I'm kidding, I added. I'll totally go to your dog party, I said. 
Were puppy parties what normal people attended? I thought to myself. Was this the kind of thing the new and improved Orianne would be into? You should call me. I passed him my number as Nico set down another vodka soda in front of me and rolled his eyes. So what if he's gay, I thought. If he isn't, he's a dish. A vegetarian cutie who loves dogs and doesn't care that the first time he met me, I was a soda. And if he is gay, he's a sweet gay dish and an adorable vegetarian who loves dogs. The worst I had to gain here was a new friend, right? What could possibly be wrong with that? Donnie never called. He didn't have to. Every other day or so, we magically ran into one another. There was Donnie beside me in the health food aisle of the grocery store. Or hey, hello there. There's Donnie standing at the bar I was in. And sure, Donnie, I'd love to do a shot. Oops, Donnie, I didn't see you standing against that tree there. Why are you in the park today? You know, let me just wash my hands before we sit down and eat this great brunch. Oh, excuse me, Donnie, I didn't expect to literally run into you here at my Sunday spot. You get the idea. Donnie was everywhere. This would have creeped me out, but Donnie was so unobtrusive and friendly that I reasoned he wasn't a weirdo. I chalked his omnipresence up to fate, a sign that Donnie and I were star-crossed. That or we had, like, the exact same schedule. What else? A few nights later, I was back at Red Door East. I was enjoying the company of one of my roommates, Casey, and maybe waiting for Donnie to show up. He probably won't even be out tonight, I told her. She sat across from me on the patio, the air cool, the drink strong. Yeah, but doesn't he, like, show up everywhere you go? Casey laughed. It's not like that, I said. I mean, he's not a stalker. He's a nice guy, girl. I took a sip of my vodka. Hey, Casey changed the subject. Want to smoke a joint in the car with me? She smiled. I don't really smoke weed. When I occasionally do, I get paranoid and really, really high. Getting stoned in a public place, especially just as I've started going back out, that's pretty high risk. I was skittish, but I also trusted Casey. Girl, don't be scared. It'll be fun, she reassured me. Well, I do love that Escalade, I told her. We smoked in Casey's car and it felt kind of glamorous. Two hot chicks getting high in a luxury SUV. I was safe and felt a happy high coming on. When we opened the doors and I was faced with returning to Red Door, however, that happy high started to crumble. The yellow street lamps hummed their eerie hum. The air was damp and cold. My hands and feet felt icy. We walked onto the patio of the bar. I noticed that people were staring at us and not in a good way either. It was as if they knew me, as if they had all met me in my drunken stupor over the last six months and were judging me. I sat at a picnic bench in a far off corner, away from all the creeping eyes staring me down. I felt them all around me. It's all in your head, I said to myself over and over, and then once out loud, it's all in your head. Jesus, Sketchbox, are you doing daily affirmations now? Casey asked me, laughing. Chill out, it's just Red Door, she said. I forced myself to laugh a nervous laugh. <laughs> Why did I just laugh like that? I said quietly to myself. 
Casey just smiled. Just like every other day of the previous week, up popped Donnie. I was paranoid stoned, and I now felt sure that Donnie was actually a stalker, following me around town, waiting to imprison me in his basement, or chop me into little bits. It's all in your head. It's all in your head, I repeated my mantra. My mantra? My mantra. I'm sorry. When I'm trying to do accents and then not accents, you know. Okay. Ah, I keep interrupting. I repeated my mantra as Donnie approached. Actually, hold on. That reminds me one time I went to Tennessee for a hot minute to visit. And when I came back, I went to a Vietnamese restaurant and they were like, what can we get you? I was like, I'd like the ban me sandwich. <laughs> that accent sticks to you. I'm telling you right now. Okay. Sorry. Okay. Back to the story. I repeated my mantra as Donnie approached. Hey girl, funny running into you here. Donnie joked. Oh God, I'm pretty wasted. I admitted. Please sit, sit, make yourselves comfortable. I said awkwardly to Donnie and his three friends in tow. Orion, this is Sarah and Ben and Mikey. Donnie politely introduced his friends. This is Casey. I responded abruptly without acknowledging the others in the group. I stared at my shoes while Donnie and his friends made themselves comfortable. Donnie sat down next to me, scooting in close, to talk about dogs. I've been dog-sitting for my friend, the one I told you about, the one with the dog I love so much. Donnie was weirdly amped up, with color in his cheeks as he gushed over this mutt. It was odd to see Donnie so excited over an animal, especially an animal that didn't even belong to him. He leaned in closer unaware of how high I was. His closeness was freaking me out, not turning me on. Anyway, to make my friend jealous, I took these pictures. Now he was scanning through his iPhone, his hands shaking with excitement. Now look. If I was dog-sitting a friend's pet and I wanted, for any odd reason, to quote, make him jealous, there are a few things I may do. Maybe I would take a picture of me and the dog curled up on the sofa. You know, the one the dog isn't normally allowed to sleep on. Or maybe I would dress the dog up in a funny costume and text a picture to said friend to show him how much fun we were having. Maybe if the strange inclination to make a friend jealous over a dog struck me, I might take a snapshot of the dog enjoying a fine steak. You know, like a silly nanny nanny boo boo, your dog is going to love me more than you type of thing. Donnie had other ideas. He handed me his phone. At first, I couldn't make out the images in front of me. I was wasted. I squinted, looking closer. The objects in the shot slowly came into focus and my jaw dropped. I put the phone face down on the table. I was speechless. Could I really be seeing this? No, no way. No, no fucking way. I picked the phone back up and looked again. And again, I put the phone face down on the table. No, 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 no. I picked up the phone a final time and took one last look. I wanted to scream, but I had really bad cotton mouth. In the shot was Donnie's naked ass with what I thought was a small penis in a red condom. 
The small penis was positioned against Donnie's anus, as if it were about to be inserted. Upon my second and third viewing of the picture, I realized that this was no tiny human penis wearing a red condom. It was a dog's red rocket! Donnie had posed with the dog's dick up his ass. Donnie was a dog fucker! Casey, get up right now. Cottonmouth be damned, I had found my voice. Get up right now, Casey. These people are not our friends. I was flailing my arms and shouting wildly. I was too stunned to explain further and continued with the dramatic arm gestures, making a scene. Donnie's pals looked shocked, and Donnie snatched his phone away. Donnie's table of buddies were unaware of his nasty fetish, all of them oblivious to the situation as they tried to calm me down. Casey didn't question my freakout, and simply stood to evacuate the situation. She grabbed me away from the group and walked us briskly to the bar inside. There I explained, over two hefty shots of tequila, what had transpired. No, no way, no fucking way, was all Casey could say. I nodded and ordered more tequila. But girl, are you sure that's what you saw? Casey asked as the tequila continued to flow. I know what I saw, I replied. I mean, I think I know what I saw, but I don't want to be right, you know? Yeah, no shit, Casey replied. That horrifying image couldn't have been my imagination. I'm not that dark, I told her. One of Donnie's friends, Sarah, walked into the bar. A pretty girl with long brown hair in two braids and a childish, childish face, she looked innocent. Hey, I don't really know those guys that well. I mean, we just ride bikes together and I rudely, or appropriately, depending on your perspective, interrupted her. You mean you don't fuck dogs too? I spat out. Who the hell are these perverts? And why do they always want to hang out with me? I asked no one in particular. Several sober days later, the image had not faded from my mind. I had decided to give true sobriety a chance just for a week. I was hoping that somehow the entire bestiality thing would resolve itself, that I would realize I had drunkenly imagined the whole thing. Donnie had stopped popping up in my everyday life, so I assumed he had received the message that no, I didn't want to ride dogs into the gross illegal sunset with him. Either that, or I was just crazy, and he never wanted to see me again. I told myself I was sure of what I had seen, but I still had doubts. I defaulted to thinking I had to have misjudged the photograph. It was so incredibly disturbing that, for the first time ever, I doubted my own story. Crazy shit happens, but not this crazy. It just couldn't be real. After more than a week without seeing Donnie, I had convinced myself I was nuts. Who fucks dogs? No way. Not that guy. He was cute and sweet. I must have just been wasted. Still, when I thought about the incident, my mind slowed down. The picture became very clear in my memory and my stomach turned. I was confused and wanted this resolved. I wanted to ask Donnie. But where had Donnie gone? As if some great cosmic force really wanted to get to the bottom of this, Donnie walked into my new place of employment. The fancy, clean bar suddenly felt 
dingy with the essence of dogfucker. Upon seeing him, my self-doubt dissolved. There is a distinct pervert vibe to him now. He and a handful of his friends sat down, waiting for me to come and serve them. I walked over, cautiously. Hi, Donnie. How are you? I sounded unsure. Hey, I'm glad you're here, he said, offering a weak smile and shifting in his chair. I just wanted to talk to you about the other night. I didn't mean to make you uncomfortable. You know, I was just joking with the whole picture thing. He shifted in his chair again. So, this is a pointed visit. You've come to state your case, I replied, my hand perched on my hip. The way Donnie kept shifting in his chair read as guilty. Maybe he had a hemorrhoid from dog fucking. <laughs> Damn it. Sorry. I was somewhere between not wanting to discuss the whole thing and needing to hear the truth. I didn't want to relive the horror of that photograph, but I had to know. I was nervous. Was he crazy or was I crazy? I started to chicken out at the thought of the latter. Let's just call it what it is, okay? Let bygones be bygones, you know? So right, what do you guys need? Drinks? Food? What? I asked. I just think you saw something in that picture that wasn't there. Donnie wasn't letting it go. I wanted desperately to find out that I was wrong. I wanted Donnie to tell me that yes, I was totally wasted and had gotten the entire situation mixed up. I also didn't want to believe that after all that hard work on becoming a better me, the only guys I attracted were sick freaks and weirdos. I didn't want to be a magnet for dog fuckers. Well, Donnie, what exactly did I see? I asked, my hand on my hip again. Prove me wrong, Donnie. Please prove me terribly wrong. Well, it wasn't bestiality, he said. Exhale. I'm crazy. Okay. Like I said, I was just trying to make my friend jealous. So we held the dog's penis up to my butt and pressed it in a little. I was wearing a thong, though. We just thought it would be funnier if I pulled it to the side a little bit. But the whole thing was a joke. Donnie managed to say all of this with a sick dog-fucking smile on his face. <laughs> I wanted to throw up on him. And if anyone is a pervert, Donnie continued, it's Mikey. He's the one who took the picture. What in the hell kind of logic was this? The photographer of a guy with a dog's dick in his ass is a bigger sicko than the one getting fucked? How exactly does that work? Is there some kind of a pervert scale I was unaware of? Ugh, I was livid. Donnie, what you just described to me, having sex with an animal and photographing it, is the exact definition of bestiality. I stood still, both legs planted firmly on the floor, my arms by my side. I could feel my blood coursing through my veins, thick and unforgiving. I stared at Donnie and his friends. How could they hang out with this creep? And who the fuck is Mikey? I asked. That's me. The shaggy-haired blonde sitting next to Donnie volunteered with a little wave and a goofy grin. We met at Red Door, he added. Jesus, are you all dog fuckers? I asked. Is that why you guys hang out? To fuck dogs together? I said with a furrowed brow, looking left and right to be sure no other customers could hear us. I stormed off and fetched the men three beers. Drink them and get out, I told them. 
We don't serve sickos here. I never again saw Donnie, and that day a few things became clear. I was happy to find out that I can trust my instincts, wasted or not. If I think I see a dog's dick, it's a dog's dick, damn it. But there was something more introspective that came to light as well. Donnie could disappear from my life, sure. Wormy guys with holy teeth or snowball chucking dudes with micro dicks. They would come and they would go. There would be skinny white boys with chicken legs and strung out exes I still loved, sure. A few loves of my life and even more loves of my weekend would surely saunter through the world I lived in. Jerry, Paul, Caleb, Alex, the whole lot of the freak show I called my love life, there was no denying their existence. The weirdos are out there. But what was the constant in all of these dating debacles? The horrifying constant was me. I asked myself, why had I allowed them in? Was there some kind of rehab for this? Some kind of therapy? Maybe there was a support group for unlucky girls with scary sex stories. Somewhere we could trade our tales of human-on-dog sex acts or tell each other about the horror of Teflon pan dick drip. I can see it now, a hushed and captive audience, waiting to hear me vent about my recent frightening experience. Hello, everyone. My name is Orianne, and I'm an... story in my book Rebound. Thank you so much for listening and for all of you that have reached out and contributed and gotten copies of the books. I would love to direct you to ways to get copies of my books right now, but unfortunately that is still on hold. I am having some technical difficulties with the new publisher. So many technical difficulties that I will not even bore you with how much I want to strangle them. And usually myself, because it's usually me making the mistake. But anyway, I'm not going to strangle them or myself. Instead, I'm going to get my friend Erin on the phone and we're going to have some cocktails. We have so much to talk about because we have a lot in common about like that happened in this story. So like, I'm gonna stop being like, so like, so like, so like, so like, let's get Aaron on the phone. Okay, let's do it. After party, bitch. Hi, Aaron. Welcome to the show. Hi, baby. How are you doing? Oh, girl. I'm so glad that we're started because I need to drink so bad right now. What are you drinking? Um, Rose, the Seeker. Okay, so I have a, that sounds lovely. I love Seekers. <laughs> I'm seeking vodka. Uh, I have some canned cocktails, some mini bottles of vodka. Oh, I bottles. wish you could send them through the computer. <laughs> That's next. <laughs> we're gonna get drunk I, I missed the liquor store. Yeah, so. we're gonna we're gonna soon be able to morph vodka through the metaverse. Well, uh, complicated. Okay, no so deal. the story this week. This is our season two finale. It wasn't going to be. I was gonna do a second finale or a finale next week i am done 
I am done. <laughs> it's the last story in the book, and I also I'm gonna do the other show uh, with my friend, but uh, it's not related to this book. It's from a different book, and I think that I'm gonna wait until after Christmas, or maybe I'll do it for Christmas, like as a Christmas present to everybody because I'm cheap. Uh, but this story was Donnie the dog fucker. It's pretty self-explanatory. What happens, I mean, it's a book about, you know, rebounds. Obviously, I went out with a dog fucker, and I do mean a literal dog fucker. I told the story in the beginning of the show. But there were a couple of things that came up. So last week I had Carolyn and Brittany on, and we talked briefly about you. I'm pretty sure it got edited out, but you were in the last story, which was called Amateur Night, about how much it sucks to be off work on New Year's Eve if you're a bartender. You don't know anybody. You don't know anybody. <laughs> you only know people that are working or the people or your regulars. So right. anyway, you were the busty brunette. I think I called you Buxom and I used your oh, real nice. name. Well, you are yeah. Buxom. You've got a great body. You were like, you're stacked, girl. Um, Sometimes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Somebody called me that one time. They wrote an article about this time I tried to become a stripper. Oh. I mean, you know, I'm, I got nothing to hide. But, <laughs> so far. Uh, but I didn't change your name. And then Brittany pointed out, she's like, yeah, you didn't change my name either. And I was like, well, cause I didn't say anything bad about you. I just said you were a hot redhead. And honestly, Brittany didn't even work at the club at the time that I was describing it. Oh yeah, that's right. But I just put her in. I just said there was a hot, I just like picked a fill in person to be there. And I was like hot redhead named Brittany because that was a real thing that happened. So I kind of had to apologize. I was like, sorry. She's like, yeah, I mean, you didn't even ask me. And I'm like, oh, shit, sorry. Like, she wasn't mad. But she doesn't care. It was a different redhead. It's fine. <laughs> There's another hot redhead with big boobs named Brittany who worked at Silverado's. What are you talking about? There's many Britneys. Ask Britney Spears. Um, so one of my favorite, can I, can I go into a story about oh, Brittany? Please. <laughs> one of my favorite stories about her is, um, and this is like on the peripheral. So I call you after we've been out drinking. So I have no idea what we did the night before. <laughs> I call you the next morning and, um, and you're like, whoa, 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 before you say anything, I have to tell you what Brittany just told me. And I was like, okay. And I'm struggling <laughs> wrestling on the other side of the phone. And she's like, oh my God. So I'm in class right now. And I think I'm going to puke everywhere. And I'm pretty sure my cat pissed in my hair. <laughs> shortest story but I love it so much because I feel like I that's like Hemingway <laughs> like baby shoes for sale never worn but like I think my cat pissed in my hair <laughs> I'm gonna puke I think my cat pissed in my hair oh bless her and you know it's true when it's Brittany because Brittany doesn't lie right no she's she's like just hilariously present you know she doesn't embellish either she just like she just says it exactly like it is um, I want to talk about Sambuca because I completely oh. forgot that I mentioned Sambuca even in this book. Uh, and I, I know that you are here. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I didn't say anything about it that like nothing happened there that right. was like, I mean, I said it was like full of old guys, but I didn't mention that it was like full of hoes. Like, <laughs> and I said like the staff was like petty and territorial, which they were like, I would stand by that to this day. Yeah. It's part of the culture there for sure. Well, it's part of the culture in any, especially in fine dining, but in any bar or restaurant, when somebody's new, you're petty and like, 
territorial. It, I get it. I get it. Especially with bartenders and especially not to be, not to be a binge, but especially with pretty bartenders. It's just, it's hard being hot, guys. It's such a burden. It's so complicated. It's so complicated. You don't understand. You don't understand the things we go through. Like, people hate us because they ain't us. No, I'm just kidding. But, uh, but there is a real, like, rivalry between female bartenders. It just happens. Oh, and it happens in, happens worse in the corporate world. Corporate women cannibalize each other much worse than bartenders do. We get drunk, fight, and then we're, we go to brunch in the morning and we're best friends. It was a new concept to have, like, all female staff. Like, before it was a men-driven, like, um, like, all the bartenders were men. And, like, we were the first wave of, like, female bartender staff. So I think that we were <sighs> super competitive. Yeah. Male bartenders are mostly horrible. I, the ego, the, like, kind of like, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, braggadocio? Is that how, is that the word I'm looking for? Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. The, the inability to make good money. Ego versus id, like, or like, something like that. Um, I don't know, man. They are, they're such a too much ego. They have too much ego and they're too proud of themselves. And I think there is also something between men where, like, men don't tip men the way that men tip women. I think that Mm -hmm. men tip me more because they look down on me and kind of feel sorry for me and also feel this patriarchal, like... Well, you have a husband that takes care of you. Or, or like... Just give me your money. Yeah, or just watch this, like, watch me make this girl get excited over $100. It's, like, a... It's a way to, like... I don't know. It's some patriarchal bullshit, but, like, it worked to my advantage in that industry, which is why I like that industry so much. Um, 100%. But men, uh, I just, every guy I've worked with doesn't pull the same amount of money that I do and very infrequently is willing to accept that and stand back and do the heavy lifting and all of the grunt work that's behind the scenes and let me stay out and be a show pony and make the money. Right, right, the right. few yeah. men, and there have been two, and really only one of them is exceptional. His name is Scott. He's actually retiring this week from bartending forever. Oh. I know. I'm so proud of him. Uh but I met him here in Long Beach, and it was one of the worst bar jobs I had, and working with him was an absolute dream. That's where you meet the best people in the worst bars, duh. Yeah, that's very true. <laughs> and also the worst people, but, you know. Well, I mean, they balance each other out. It's, it's like, like heaven and hell. you get out. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Maybe, yeah. maybe even, like, smoke a J or something first, because it'll be more than you bargained for. Bitch, but. I don't smoke a joint. Can you imagine if I did drugs? I'm out of control. Everybody's like, maybe you should try. And I'm like, do you think I haven't? So I want to tell the story of how we met. Because (laughs) I love this story. Totally, totally ridiculous. So absolutely. Aaron and I were working, and I'm I'm just gonna I'm gonna tell it and you chime in when you want to, but like feel free. And feel free to like hit the takeover button and take it over. Um, you should get a takeover button. Oh, we need one. Oh, yeah, like the that was the staples easy. button, the like easy. Yeah, button. yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe I'll get like a honk honk. No, <laughs> you can just go honk honk. Uh, the air, the air. Uh, I had an episode of the podcast where a friend was going through something medical, but she didn't want to cancel. She wanted to still do the podcast. She's like, "But I'm having a procedure," and I'm like. You want to do the podcast like her, while you're like having right the procedure? <laughs> She's like, yeah, yeah, it'll be fine. But if I start to get too fucked up or it's too serious, I'm going to gesture to you. So she was like being filmed from like her face and she had that big hat. And when she needed to go, she would put the hat on 
So I would know. We weren't recording the video, just the audio. And I'd be like, well, we're going to take a break. But she would, like, go deal with her medical procedure. <laughs> it was pretty funny. Wow. She's a, she's a different girl. She's a wild thing. Uh, okay, so how we met. So we were both working in an area in Nashville called the Gulch. I was working at a Mexican restaurant called Cantina Laredo. And Erin was working at the wine loft. Cue her glass. Ding, 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 ding. So after I would get off work at Cantina Laredo, most of the staff would go over to Wineloft because they were open a little later than us and we would have after shift cocktails. And I'm sitting at the bar with Aaron. I don't think you were bartending. You were sitting next to me, if I remember correctly. I think I was off. Yeah, you were <laughs> off. And we're drinking wine and we're both telling stories about this insane nightclub where she works and where I work, but we don't know. Like, I'm telling a story about this insane nightclub where I work. Then she trades a story about this insane nightclub where she works. And they sound, there's like weird similarities in them. I think oh, the similarity that like dinged in my head was the smell of the cheese sticks and the fryer. And also how many people had terrible teeth at this place. And then when she said like, yeah, well, when it's country, it's fine. But then when it's hip hop, it's out of control. And I was like, wait a minute. And she was like, what? And I was like, where do you work? And she's like, wait a minute, where do you work? And almost at the same time, like twins, we were like, Silverado's. Yeah, <laughs> we found out we worked in the same bar, but Aaron, go ahead and tell us where you worked in the bar. Okay, so the way the bar set up, um, oh, and just to like paint the full nightmare picture, um, the country, like three or four hours, was dollar beer, free beer, no, free, free beer. beer, free beer, it was free it was, beer, it was, it was uh, yeah, yeah, it was free beer. So, so the From, clientele well, yeah. here are the type of people that want to listen to country while they drink free beer and then go into like just hardcore rap like, like hardcore rap like rick ross cocaine flowing through my dick vein hallelujah yeah, like 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 yeah. trashy like ass clapping hip-hop happens directly <laughs> after my favorite. directly after yeah right so so this is the clientele at this place and um the way it's set up is that it's, it's a huge dance floor because it's country bar so like people dance in circles until they can't dance in circles and then they ask clap right um <laughs> and I work at a bar that comes in earlier and I'm off to the side no, she's in the like, VIP section well at first I was in the VIP section but then then I, they changed so, my section to the VIP section right so and so the, the way it's set up is there's this huge dance floor and none of the three bars can see each other no we have like, we have and you, also it's so busy you don't look up it's so no, you're busy. just like you're just yeah you're like eight to ten deep when it's slow and 20 deep when it's busy and you're just you don't look up unless it's to take an order and then look down and to take an order and look down and just go, unless go, go, you're go, like go. wait that person sounds too young to be ordering drinks and then you're like and then you assess and then probably <laughs> for me probably give it to them anyway because you're too busy to give a shit uh <laughs> Correct. So, and then roll on, right? Yeah. Um. So what we what we deduced is that we have for like six months worked at the same bar and never seen each other. Never crossed paths. Never. And like, we've I been remember drinking with each other. <laughs> we have been drinking with each other for months at that point and didn't know. Oh, yeah. And then it made sense to me that so many of the regulars called me Miss Erin. Oh, right. Because they were always Miss, Miss, Miss. Because it's the South, you know. So everybody it, like. Doesn't matter if you're a country fan or a hip hop fan or anything in between. Didn't matter which group you were with that came in. It was Miss, 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 Miss Orianne, Miss Orianne, Miss Erin. I would get Miss Erin all the time. And I thought, well, they're trying. 
It's you know, close. Close mm, enough. Whatever. It was like, I was like, that's what they call me, Miss Erin. She's like, are you the reason people can't say my name right? Like, it's Erin. And they're calling it like, <laughs> that's Ari, exactly Ari. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, it's Erin, not Ari. What are you talking yeah, about? Yeah, <laughs> what? That's so funny. Because we're also, like, kind of lookalikes. So we, you, I mean, yeah, you well, could tell. Back then, we did a little bit more. Like, I had darker hair, and, like, um, and I wasn't wearing glasses. I, you know, like, but we, we totally No, we're still lookalikes. We both are the same height. We were both, like, buxom ladies. We both, like, talk with our hands. We oh, both yeah, own wine and paint companies. We have a lot in common. We, have a, we both work yeah. in the Gulch and at Silverado's at the same time, even though we didn't know. Like, <laughs> It takes a certain person to be like, oh, yes, I'm going to do fine dining and Silverado's. Oh, my God. I know. It was such a mess. It was like the worst of both worlds. So you said something about underage people. I don't think you were, I know you weren't there that night because once we figured out that we both worked there, you weren't there anymore. You like moved on and grew up before I did. I came in late and so I, and I stayed late, but I had a night where I was working and this girl came in and she looked really young and she had a whole film crew with her. Okay. Mm -hmm. Light set up, three or four cameras, like a crew, like a, a boom kid, like all the whole thing. And she's like, let me get it. And it was was ghetto, you guys. She's a little white girl. And she's like, let me get a bottle. I want to pop a bottle. Let me get a bottle. I want a bottle. Okay. I was like, well, okay. But, like, can I see your ID? And then somebody's like, I know her. I know her. I know her. And people were, like, talking. And everybody's like, she's from 16 and Pregnant. And I'm just listening. That doesn't help. I don't watch <laughs> 16 and Pregnant. But, I mean, I know what it is. I can tell from the name. It's about 16-year-olds who are also pregnant. Bitch, no, you cannot have a bottle. Right. <laughs> you can have a bottle of milk for your baby, but you're not allowed to tell someone. By the way, I don't know if you guys know this. You are not allowed to tell a pregnant person that they can't have a drink. That's, That's discrimination. You can tell somebody, I'm sorry, I think you're drunk or I think you're underage. There's so many Silverado stories. Oh, you want to know what? I will tell one. I will tell one. Um, it doesn't, it might involve us, but. You know how, like, you get off work early. If you get cut, you don't even remember so much of the night. Yeah, because I was planning on working all night, and now I'm going to drink all night. I was right, planning I was on drinking, drinking. I was planning on drinking while I worked, which requires me to stay sober enough to, like, count money and then go home. Now all bets are off. Correct. Yes. I have no purpose. All right. So, all right. So, and I think I think you'll you'll appreciate this story. Um, and I think you're. I, I'm pretty sure. That you are a part of this story, but I can't, I can't recall. <laughs> I can't. Um, I'll let you know. <laughs> right. All right. So, um, this is getting towards the end of my stint at Silverado. So, um, my patience with, um, that particular demographic is starting to wear thin. And which is, and, by the way, like a very split demographic. It's just right. what it is. And also the location, what that demographic was, were, it was, the demographic was ratchet. That's the word. It's just ratchet. It's ratchet country, ratchet hip hop, just like ratchet, ratchet country hip hop babies. Ratchet. <laughs> right. Um, so this is that's a perfect segue into this story. So I have been um like like working my ass off, working doubles, and I'm um so I'm sleep deprived and half drunk, and that's probably why I got cut, because they're like I don't know how much longer you can count money, right? Um, but early on, <laughs> early on, you know. Um, <laughs> I do know. I know exactly. <laughs> That's in the book. This is all in the book. Right, yeah. So, um, so I'm, I'm, um, 
during free beer, this chick comes in and she is between 250, 300 pounds, about like 5'3". Ouch. She's wearing what I would have worn as a shirt, as a dress. You know, like they, they were flowy on top and then like mini skirt kind of thing. I know exactly. Right. I, I see her in my mind already, but all please right, tell so the audience because black. they may not. <laughs> it's black, all right? And um, for this particular story, normally I wouldn't have to, like, um, call out exactly what she looked like, but she is pasty white. Pasty white, like, she had dyed her hair dark six months ago, so she's got, like, this, like, Blonde, thing long going. blonde root. Right, yeah, and then this, like, oh, uh, faded black thing going on right chills. And, um... And so where this dress lands on her on her legs, the only word for it is cottage cheese. You know, like that's it's just super white and just like been hit with a bag of nickels, you know, like the whole thing. And so she, and and she decides to top off this ensemble with hot pink flip-flops. So she's not even wearing like real shoes. She's wearing like she's wearing like shower shoes or like cool shoes and in this club the floors are so sticky like well, they've never been washed yep i mean washed with pee maybe and vom no no they are washed during the wet t-shirt contest that happens on sunday where i pull a midget up off the ground strippers i'm sorry a little person damn it sorry I'm yes it, guys i'm working on it cheers <laughs> cheers to every time we say something inappropriate We'll be blacked out. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, there's no there's no missing this particular girl. And from the bar where I work, just adjacent, like, out of peripheral vision, is a speaker box where all the girls full of liquid courage get up on and dance, right? So we've already talked about, like, the size of her outfit and the size of her and her shoe ensemble with the whole thing, right? And she's twerking and, like, she's so more than she ever needed to show. And, like, all these things are going super wrong. And the whole time, I'm just like, oh, honey, somebody broke your mirror and you ain't got no friends. Seriously. Like, just, wow. Like, I just, I felt sorry for her, right? And I got cut. Oh, no. Wasty face. And um, I go out to the smoking patio. Because at the time, I smoked. I go out to the smoking patio. And she's sitting there with, like, three of her friends. <laughs> Me and all my infinite wisdom. Super drunk. Um, <laughs> walk up to her friend and was like, do you consider yourself her friend? And she was like, what are you talking about? I was like, if I was her friend, I would not let her walk out of the house like that. You are not a good friend. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God, you crazy bitch. Yes. Did she punch you in the face? So the one chick, she, like, the one I'm talking to that I'm, like, because I'm not mad at her. Like, obviously, she don't know what she looks like. Like, <laughs> mad at her friends for, like, sitting next to her, acting like everything's fine. And that's not okay, right? Like, so I'm mad at her friends. Like, I'm, like, genuinely mad at them. And, like, because <laughs> I'm drunk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. Very drunk. Yes. <laughs> so, so the girl looks at me the one that i'm talking to her friend she looks at me and then she looks at her friends and she's like she's talking shit about you and i was like no i'm talking shit I'm about you about your friends <laughs> i'm trying to get my ass beat tonight 
So, like, they're in a state of shock. Because <laughs> like, what you said is so rude, but also you're, like, pretty and intelligent. And it's like, you wouldn't think, because Aaron's, like, the nicest girl, too. You wouldn't think that someone like Aaron would come up to you and be like, um, are you blind, deaf, and dumb? Because your friend looks terrible, and you should have told her, you cunt. <laughs> <laughs> So, so it turns out, um, I get like security, you know how security's like, there's like seven deep on the patio because that's where shit pops up. Yeah. That's um, where the so security is earshot of this whole thing. And security is like, before the girls realize like how mean and rude I've actually been, um, just snatches me up and takes me to Paul's <laughs> office and it's just like, we'll have your drinks delivered here. Yeah, like um like Mr. Bean like do 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 whatever, like just get her out. Oh man. Okay, with that, uh we are gonna take a two minute break because I have chugged up all my alcohol. Uh, not my shots yet, but when we get back, we're going to do a shot. And then I'm going to try to find in the book the passage where I think I describe the girl you're talking about. I'm not Dude, kidding. I'm telling you. Right. I'm telling There's... you. I bet you, I, I, because we worked in the same bar and didn't know it, we have so, we, we own the same business. Like, I guarantee you this is the same girl. I guarantee you the girl I'm thinking of when I wrote this description in the book is the girl you're talking about. I guarantee it. But right. all right, let's... It's been this many years later, and I'm like, well, I mean, she was only wearing two things. It wasn't that hard, but I can remember her top to bottom. Like, you, you have a visual image in your head burned into your mind because it's tragic. It was like it's tragic. It's thing? like watching... It's like watching a school bus, bus, a school bus, a school, <laughs> a school bus crash into a frozen lake and just plummet. Okay, we'll be back. Erin and I made drinks. I took a shot or two, and then we got back into it. Uh, we were telling some random story that didn't make the cut, but the next one is a doozy. vaguely remember that happening to you um and then I think we went out drinking and um, oh I'm sure we did I'm sure we did because that is Ooh, that might be that night I got real weird we're not going to talk about it but you remember that one night the night you got really weird yeah every night <laughs> no we can talk about it after but I need to talk to you about something important do you okay, remember yes. the night that David Bergman i.e. Paul and Bobby Ray took us mm. to I don't know where. And on the way there, Paul told us the story of how he made his money. And it was through creating light-up signs and his first client was Kmart. Yes. <laughs> that shit! Wow. Wait, so, and then the follow-up client, like, okay, so there's a, there's like a story. CBS. There's a story about how, like, they stole the, like, the technology, blinking lights, um, <laughs> for the fucking T-Dot, the T-Dot lights. Do you remember that? No, I don't remember so the T-Dot part, but that's part of it. I remember it now. Yes. <laughs> What's T-Dot? Tell people what T-Dot is. Oh, um, Tennessee Department, Department of Transportation. Of Transportation. Right. 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 Yeah. Um, so, like, that's, that's, like, so he made all this money, but, like, he got screwed out of like the big money because they sold the technology 
to T dot, but he had already been cut out of the deal by that point. How funny is that that I remember that? That's that's <laughs> the perfect end of that story because when I told that story to Brittany and Carolyn, I was like, "Do you guys know how Paul like got his start in the business world?" And I'm like, "Do you know how?" Know? That's the most peculiar part. I know. I agree. That's what I said. with these people. That's what I said. I was like, "Where were we going?" We went in like a town car. Yeah. Neither of them were driving. And I don't know who was driving. Maybe Bobby Ray was driving, which is a mistake. A mistake. Bobby Ray. Dude, he was, he was always, he was just like a walking, happy, he didn't realize he was already dead. (laughs) He didn't realize. He's still alive, bitch. I know. I know. (laughs) That bitch will outlive us all. I love Bobby Ray. You, you want to throw in a good story about Paul? I mean, there's puppies, right? Yeah, I put, I put a good, I, I actually really got along with him pretty well. Comparatively speaking. So, good story about Paul. As you know, like, when we lived in Nashville, I had a series of unfortunate events. Well, it's kind of been, like, the theme of my adulthood. But, um, and so I was at work, and uh, my phone was blown up, and it was a number I had never seen before. And um, turns out it was my mom's neighbor, and she had had a stroke, a really bad one. She had had several before, so, like, stroke wasn't alarming, but, like, this was bad, and, um, and there was just something different about the whole tone, like, my mom was a little bit of a hypochondriac, a little bit of whatever. Yeah, she had a, she had a lot of needful moments, for sure. Correct. She's calling on you a lot. Right, but this this was not her calling. This Mm -hmm. was the neighbor Mm -hmm. calling, and, um... And the neighbor was the neighbor was reaming me for being a horrible child and not being there already. Um, but um, so that I person is incorrect, by the way. But you know, just, like they just only in have case, one view. Well, they yeah, only have one view, right? But you know, just in whatever. case you need to hear it, if anybody well, needs to hear it, that person is incorrect and they need to mind their motherfucking business. And also, they have no idea what you need to do to survive and be happy. So anyway, please continue. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, so I, I get these, um, series of phone calls while I'm at work and, um, the bar that I work at had a closet directly behind it. So it was kind of like, um, it was kind of like a place to like, just quick, take a smoke break or like a A bump. (laughs) I've never tried it. Just kidding. (laughs) Just like the way it smells. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I don't like cocaine, but I've done it a lot. (laughs) I don't enjoy it, but I still do it. I'm not now, but I mean, if I have to, at a party, to be polite. You know, to be polite, that's the thing. Like, I don't eat beef, but, you know, if someone's mom makes a casserole, like, I'm going to be like, eh, well, I'll have a little bit of it, whatever. Right. Um, uh, one of the times I did put cocaine to be polite, one time I did cocaine to be polite was with uh, your ex-husband at a hotel mm. party that actually mm. is in this story from today, so please continue Oh, yeah, wash some feet. Mm-hmm. I remember that one. Yeah, yeah. All right, so, so... Um, get back to the nice part. So like I get off the phone and I do this weird thing, like with, um, like severe stress, I just kind of go like blank numb and like superhero, like, um, logic strategic mode. Like, like I was probably halfway to blacked out before that phone call, but now I'm like stone cold sober, like straight business. And like, I walk out from behind the bar, like, lines like you know how that place was yeah 
so many dumb people at the busy. bar, like dumb, the, fucking busy people, everybody yelling, yeah, crazy. Right, yeah. So whoever I'm working with at the time is like, "What are you doing?" I was like, "Something more important." <laughs> yeah, family like, emergency for real. And so I, I walk um, down the hallway. You remember, like the doors next mm-hmm. to the fryer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I walk down the hallway and like straight to find Paul in his like uh, affliction shirt and jogging pants and crusty mucus hole. Fried chicken um, bones on, like, the computer keyboard. Ugh, you were so right about that. Yeah. Oh. And I was like, Paul, I have something serious to talk to you about. Like, all jokes aside, like, like whatever you thought you were about to say about my ass or my tits or whatever, That's the, we're not talking about that. Like, it's something really serious. My mom just had a stroke, and I got to go. Um, I got to go now, and I got to drive to Houston, like, now. Uh, someone's got to close out my drawer. Uh, I don't know. I just got to go. And I don't know when I'm going to be back. And I'm so sorry to tell you all these things. And he was like, all right. And he handed me $500 and he said, be safe. That was like the gas money. That was like what I needed. It was like, it was, it was like legit. Like I didn't ask him for nothing. Like he like assessed the situation and like, He's a really good pimp. <laughs> right? Keep him coming back. <laughs> I'm not kidding. He, I mean, there's a reason when I talked last week with Carolyn and Brittany, I, they said all these things about him. And I said, actually, I felt really like a paternal vibe from him. And I felt really good That's about so it. Weird. I didn't feel good about his family. I knew that I was being. But it felt manageable. It, like, I knew where I stood. I knew what he was taking advantage of my skill set, and I felt like I knew what I was taking advantage of his, like, well, you that's, know, like... And, he, and you're wrong, and so am I. We well, felt empowered in a situation where we had no power. And right. he... That's smart. Made, yeah. On his part. Yeah, that's exactly what a pimp does. Uh, they make you feel indebted to them, and, like, you kind of love them in a way, when in actuality they hold all the power. And handing you $500 was insurance. It was insurance. But I think it also, and I and I say this after just saying what I just said, I think also he did have a little bit of a heart. People have many facets. You know, people can be, mm-hmm. you know, serial killers have girlfriends. Well, I mean, but you, so, like, there are people like Ted Bundy that are, like, attractive and whatever, but, he wasn't, like, don't but, have okay, human all right, interrupt. connection. I have to interrupt. Ted Bundy was not attractive. I don't think so either, but that's just no, what they No, 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 no. Everybody that says Ted Bundy was attractive is a fucking Ooh. dumbass. He wasn't attractive. He looked like shit. He looked like a crazy person. He walked around looking like shit all the time. He fucking, I agree. Like, I agree. I agree. Hygiene. I'm just saying. I'm, I'm going off of, right. you know, But go ahead. Continue. But, like, we can get into that. That's some patriarchal bullshit. Everybody's like, yeah, it's because he's so good looking that he didn't get caught. No, it's because cops are fucking dumb that he didn't get caught. It's because he's also, white. That's all it is. Well, I mean, maybe. Yeah, I think we were just, like, a different part of his game. I think that the whole thing was a game. I think that he played us all, like, a chess game. Kind of like pawns are pawns and queens are queens and kings are kings. And mm-hmm. he's just a, he's a really manipulative person. And I don't. He's I mean, like, these are my two rooks. They do interesting things. Yeah. Yeah. Where were the rooks? Where are the rooks? Uh, wait, what were we going to talk about? I don't know. I think I think we're good. I think we did it. I think we we did this, but let's leave with a. But light. we did not talk at 
all about the actual chapter. Does that matter? No, I mean, I read it to them. Eventually, because it was a Friday night when we recorded, something popped up where Erin had a life all of a sudden. Uh, so she had to go. And this is that moment. Tell me you've got to go, baby. <laughs> I have got to go. I've got projects out the wazoo. I've got things going on. I absolutely loved our time. I Fuck off, I again. have to go too. I have all the things coming out of my wazoo too. So <laughs> I love you. Erin, thank you so much for being here and love you so much. I love you. Ew, look at my tongue. <laughs> I'm a purple mouth monster. I love you. Bye. Love you too. so much out from this episode here are a couple of little tidbits that I thought were worth listening to I'm making a shot so, oh my gosh I sorry if that was loud so and a drum I, I had I had options I had either wear makeup to this thing or make it to the liquor store so sorry everybody honey <laughs> don't apologize you look beautiful <laughs> Nice. It was it was worth the it was worth the um the sacrifice, huh? This is my big right. Friday night, yeah, because I'm wearing makeup. The guy, I will say this about that. I went to the liquor store after I did my makeup, and the guy at the liquor store was like, "Hey, I I like look down to pay with my credit card and type in my pin," and he was like, "Hey, I just noticed your eye makeup. It's extraordinary." And I was like, "That, sir. I know you're a married man, but thank you." Also, he might not stay married. And he works at the liquor store. That's a good connect. <laughs> anyway, she spells her name like the cheese. Mm-hmm. What the fuck is that? Who spells her name like the cheese? If your name is Brie, are you Brie Cheese? I don't think so. Although my first word was cheese, and if I could figure out how to turn my name into a cheese word, I probably would. Disagree. Disagree. If you wanted to walk down the street and be like, hey, there's cheese. I don't think so. Anyway, that bitch. I'd be Gouda. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I would be Kevin Bear. (laughs) Or Rockfort. I mean, if I did have a cheese spirit animal, it would have been goat cheese, so let's not be... That was my impression of a goat. Ah. Uh, no, goat cheese is really good. It's not hard on your intestines if you're Asian. Well, um, not all Asian people are lactose intolerant, but there are a lot of Asian people who are lactose intolerant. And I actually think that all people are lactose intolerant, except you get used to it if you just damage your body same, by eating a same, bunch of same, 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 same. Real things happening. Yeah. Um, but fun fact, expensive cheese doesn't have lactose. Fancy cheese doesn't have lactose. Because of, you know, like, so, well, let's go back to France. Let's go back to talk about how. Don't make me go back to France. (laughs) I know. You're talking about family members dying in divisions of your lives. I divided from there. (laughs) Don't send Oriane back to France. (laughs) No, no. Okay. All right. Okay. 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 We're drunk. (laughs) 
thank you so much for listening to the finale of season two of the Not Literary Podcast. Again, I am your host, Oriander Rutter. Uh, buy my books, damn it. You can find them on, well, you're supposed to be able to find them on Amazon.com, but that's temporarily suspended. The only one you can get there is How to Kill Your Chihuahua, which low-key is actually my favorite of my three books because it's so, so weird. Uh, But the other two I will put up on my website, which is www.orianderutter.com, and all that will be available in the show notes as soon as those books are available through my new publisher they'll be up. So go to the website, sign up for the mailing list, and I will let you know. Okay. Good night, everybody. We'll be back with season three. I'm just not exactly sure when, and I'm not sure how often. I also, like, haven't written any other books. I mean, I'm working on some. I have stories that have been published, but I don't have a cohesive book yet. Maybe we'll just do stories. Maybe we'll just do storytelling. I don't know. Again, I'll put my email uh, in the notes as well. And if any of you have ideas or requests, or if you have stories to tell and you want to come on, let me know. And we will be back probably after the holidays. Okay. Bye, everybody. Thanks. Hello, you guys. Welcome back to the Not Literary Podcast. I am your host, Orianne Rutter. I am going to read you a story that I wrote today, and then I'm going to have a special guest on afterwards. This is our special holiday episode. Uh, the last I talked to you guys, I was taking a little break from the podcast to kind of reorganize and decide where I wanted to go with it. Uh, for people who have listened before. I was reading chapters from my first two books, uh, and now I'm out of books. I do have one more book, and I do want to do an episode with that, but that's a talk for a different time. Uh, What I've decided to do are read you individual stories and or write an individual story for the podcast episode, kind of depending on what season it is, if I have a story for that season. And it just so happens that I do have a family story about the holidays. Now this is technically a fiction story. And after, at the after party, when my special guest artist, Jesse Cooley comes on, uh, he's gonna be joining us all the way from New York City. Uh, We will talk about how much of this is true and how much of this is fiction. Spoiler, a lot of it is true. Uh, But for literary purposes here on Not Literary, I'm gonna go ahead and call this one fiction. So. Let's get into it. You know I hate a long intro. If you're new here, you'll learn. I don't like a long intro. Welcome back, and we'll talk more about where the podcast is going from here after the after party. All right, this is Icing the Slide, a fiction story by yours truly, Orianne Rutter. <laughs> 